Good morning, New City Church. My name is Matt Miller, one of the pastors here, and today I'm speaking live in Edgerton at our location out here. And for those of you who don't know, New City Church is one church with two locations. And man, I'm excited that uh, those of you in Shawnee kind of get to experience me on video here in our Edgerton campus. And I'm going to celebrate some of the awesome things that God is doing here in a moment. Um, But today I want to start off by doing something that we do often, and that is by kind of hosting a family uh, family type of meeting. I just want to share what God has been doing, uh, what we currently see God doing, and how we might ready ourselves for that. And the way I want to do this is just kind of share with you um, what God's been doing in my life for the past six six months. Uh, One of my mentors, Dan Sutherland, he often reminds me and other leaders that we hang with to, uh, before we teach something, let's live it for a little bit. And I've been living in this uh, spe- specific scripture uh, since January, actually since February. And uh, I, think, I think this weekend is a good weekend to begin to uh, share with you what God has been doing in me uh, and communicating to me and how He's kind of honestly calmed my spirit in a lot of ways as we prepare for all of the awesome things that God is doing. Um, this started uh, in way back uh, when we were doing the rest of God, and we were uh, kind of talking about the Sabbath practices and that sort of thing, and how what do you do on your Sabbath day, and how it should be a day of rest, not work, and how we should uh, do what we get to, not what we have to. And during that time, um, the, one of the things that I was convicted through was... Um, that I had taken my Sabbath and made it more of a fun family day where I wasn't working, but I had kind of divorced God from it because a lot of the things that I do in life center around church and ministry. And, and I, had, uh, I just found myself in a place where I had a really good day off, but there wasn't a lot of prayer or scripture reading. And through that process, I, I realigned and um, I began uh, just devoting much more time to setting with Jesus. Because a lot of times we say, well, I just don't have time to read my Bible. I, I just don't have time to get into the Word. And on, the, on your Sabbath day, that's really the only thing you have time for. There shouldn't be a lot of other things uh, stealing your time away. So anyway, um, I began that practice. And on a specific weekend, I've got a uh, scheduled reading plan that I do. And uh, I went back to my journal to find the specific date as I was preparing for this message. And it was Saturday, February the 25th. And on that day, Exodus chapter 23 was a part of my uh, reading. And this scripture is there in your insert. It's going to be on the screens and um, it's also in your Bible if you have that. But I want to I read it to you. Exodus 23, the context is God is speaking to Moses as Moses is leading a lot of people, a whole lot of people, right, on a journey. And this is what God says to Moses. He says, see or look I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. When I read that uh, on February the 25th, man, it was kind of like that light bulb goes off. It's one of those scriptures that just really hit me uh, really, really uh, right to my core because it was just what I needed to hear. It was super timely. And as I began to reflect on that scripture that day, as I began to study, uh, what, I, what I learned was that's one of the instances, this scripture is one of the times in the Old Testament where Jesus shows up, right? Where you read here, look, I'm sending an angel before you. And if you were to do the study on that, uh, what is happening is that's not like the angel Gabriel. It's the pre-incarnate Jesus. He's just not called Jesus yet because he hasn't been born to the Virgin Mary. So God sends Jesus to lead Moses. And um, man, that was, um, 
so interesting to me, right? Because this was my takeaway from Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. And, and these are also in your insert. If you want to write these down, just to kind of a quick bullet points is that God sent Jesus to be my leader. Jesus is my guide along this journey. Jesus guards me along this journey, and Jesus has taken me to a prepared place. Those are the things that we learn from this passage, that God has sent Jesus to lead me. Jesus should be my leader. And as my leader, He guides me, right? So I'm following Him, and He guards me. He's protecting me from doing stupid things, right? I'm reminded of the scripture where where the disciples said, Jesus, how should I pray? And He says, pray like this, and our Father who art in heaven. And towards the end, He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's what Jesus, our leader, does. He guides, He guards. But I love this last one. He leads us to a prepared place. Like Jesus isn't taking us on some aimless walk uh, that's chaotic and unprepared. And he, he knows exactly where he's going. And not only is there a destination, it's prepared, it's ready. I think that's pretty fantastic. Um, the reason that that scripture was so, um, so special to me is um, myself and the other elders, we've worked about a year ago on developing our 2020 vision. Of course, we're in the year 2017 right now. And we were uh, processing, where do we think God wants us to be in the year 2020? Like, when we get to December 31st, uh, 2020, what do uh, we hope and believe God has asked us as a church body, New City Church, to accomplish? And we developed four things um, based on our conversation that we really sense God uh, saying, go after this. And I want to kind of share those with you now. Again, I put them in your answer because we need to know these. Like if you call New City Church home, when you hear me or another elder or another ministry leader say our 2020 vision, you, you, you shouldn't go, what's he talking about? You, you should know these four statements. And, and maybe I've never said that that clearly, but let me give you those four so that you can begin to work those to memory. Let's see if I can remember them, right? How, number one is this, is that by the year 2020, uh, New City Church will know every person who attends and they will know that they are known. So it's our desire that everyone here is known. Like, and this is the way that I describe it, is if, uh, if, if John walks in the room and I think to myself, oh, hey, hey, there's John. Well, that's awesome that I know John's name, that I remember John's name. But when I go, hey, John, how you doing, bud? Now John knows that I know his name. That's powerful. When you're able to say, I know you, and when someone walks in the door, they're not a stranger. And even what even, gets even more powerful is when I know John's story. And I'm able to say, hey, John, how's Mary doing? I mean, how are the kids and, and, and all of a sudden, there's a relationship. I mean, we want to be a church where you're not just a number. You're not just, you're, you're not just a, someone we count that we literally know who you are. And we know your story and you know you're known. Really, really important to us. The second one is this of our 2020 visions. By the year 2020, New City Church will be a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. I don't have a bad stutter, all right? That I say that three times on purpose. Um, you don't do the same thing three times without there being a process and without there being intentionality. And man, it is our hope and uh, it's our goal that we're going to be a church um, that makes disciples. We're going to baptize you. If you haven't been baptized, that's our goal. We're going to reach the lost, baptize, right, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach, uh, teach those folks uh, what it looks like to obey everything that Jesus said. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk together, reaching the lost, baptizing and then maturing them, teaching them the truths uh, that Jesus shares with us through the Word. We're, gonna, we're, going at, we're actually going after that now. We're not waiting. We're doing that right, right now. The third one is this, is that New City Church would become an extremely generous church. 
extremely generous. When you think about your time, how are you being generous with your time? Or do you say, man, I just don't have time for that. Uh, I really like to get to know my neighbor, but I, I just don't have time for that. Now, how do you get to the place where at any moment God can tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I need you to go have this conversation, right? Extremely generous. What do you think about your, your, your talents, your hidden talents, or the, the things that uh, God has gifted you specifically for that, again, you, you stay so busy doing so many other things that you can't do the thing that God's kind of gifted you uniquely for? How do you become generous in, in that area of your life? And of course, the wallet. You know, uh, I think I have my wallet right here. Uh, I have a little one, right? All I have in its receipts. Um, and I have this thing, this plastic thing. It's called a, a card. You have that. And it has unlimited amount of money on it. It's fantastic. How do we become generous with this? How, how does God have as much access to this as he has access to our mouth, as he has access to our heart, and everything that we have? Like, how, how do we become generous in our giving? How, how, do, how does it get to when we worship together and it comes time for our tithes and offerings that that moment never catches us off guard? And we're just as prepared to worship with our tithes and offerings as we are to worship with our voices as we sing or our minds as we think and process the scripture. I mean, we're going to become an extremely generous church because if we don't know who you are, and if you don't know you're known, we can't disciple you, right? And in discipleship, we learn about generosity, and then it leads us to the fourth thing. And I love this one. And I, I really uh, am waiting to see how God begins to see this manifested in the life of New City Church. And number four is that uh, our communities, our city, is better because we're in it, and they know it. Our city's already better because we're in it. But I don't want there to be any way to give a spiritual spin for them to say, oh, well, you know, that happened because of this. I want stuff to happen that people have no, no thought or thinking or, or voice, except that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for New City Church. That wouldn't happen if it wasn't for those people with those three dots on their... That, that just wouldn't happen. They did that. Guys, that's what we're going after. And so as I process that 2020 vision... And the four, the four vision statements, when I see this, that Jesus is my leader and he is guiding and he's guarding me and he's leading me to a prepared place, I get all excited, right? I get pumped up. Um, but I have a problem. Some of you already know this. Right? I have problems, let's be honest. Um, but I live in the next. I, I am a horrible person at celebrating. Like as soon as one goal gets met, it's off to the next. Like we just completed old Shawnee days and it was a great win for our Shawnee campus this week. But to be honest with you, when I put that last cooler away, my mind was off to the next thing. And I struggle personally being a person who celebrates. Like, I'm the one who forgets to buy the kids the birthday cake. I'm the one who forgets to buy the cards. I just, I'm always thinking about the next thing. And so when I, when I came across this scripture, as much as it spoke to my heart and to my mind, it also began to create a little bit of anxiety in me because I began to ask Jesus in my prayer life a lot of, um, a lot of questions. I would say things like this, when is this going to happen? Like I begin to really, like, Jesus, you're my leader. I, I love, I confess this. Jesus, you're my leader, and you're my guard, and you're my guide, and you're leading me to a prepared place. When are we going to get there? When, when are we going to, are we there tomorrow? Like, uh, and then I would, I, I mean, I just kind of wrote some of these down. This is just kind of my process for my journal. How are we going to do it? Like, I know the financials, right? And our financials are great for what we currently have. But when we start talking about changing our city, and they know, and there's things that we're turning from brown to green, and I'm like, how? And so, you know, you just begin to, you know, question things, and, oh, my, I start not sleeping again. Isn't it fun? How the word can be so positive. And then what was happening, though, in these conversations is, I was saying, Jesus, you're my leader, but I 
really I was trying to get back in front of Jesus and lead him on how he should lead me. I would ask things like this, who's going to do it and how's it going to be done? Are we almost there? Is this it? And after, these questions then transformed into self-doubt, right? And where I would be like, always concerned, am I, am I leading properly? Uh, am I praying pro- properly? Am I following Jesus? Like, Jesus, I confess you as my leader, but am I really following you? Because um, I've never had this experience where Jesus has literally been right here, right in front of me, and I get to follow him like that. I've, you know, you've seen that poem, uh, Footprints in the Sand. Well, I hate sand. It gets everywhere. And so I, I don't, those things, I'm just like, in faith, Jesus, am I, and so I'll start questioning, well, am, am I out of line? Jesus, are you somewhere else? Am I missing you? So self-doubt in my own following. Uh, am I praying properly? Am I asking for the right thing? Am I asking for the wrong thing? And I've just got all of this, ah, right? And this scripture that was so positive um, in my life began to be a place of tension because I was just questioning everything and doubting my personal spiritual journey. Uh, but the good news is, is when Jesus is your leader, he leads you in all things. And sometimes uh, Jesus has to speak really clearly to us. And, and, and he did this for me. And uh, there's actually three ways that God speaks to me. Um, three specifically uh, that, that I really realize that when, when God does it. And one is just by his word. Like when I sit down and I open the Bible, I expect God to speak to me. I actually invite that. Like when I read the Bible, I'm not wasting time. Uh, many of you have heard me say, man, I, I say I'm here on purpose and I'm looking for Jesus to speak to me by his word. That's one way. You have access to that as well. Um, but there's two other ways that are maybe more unique to me that God speaks. One is God squeezes my neck. I know that sounds weird, right? But um, several years ago, I learned uh, this principle of really, through a really, really hard truth or hard learning uh, that I could either do good things or I could do God things. And I was learning, uh, God was teaching me uh, through difficult circumstances that uh, I could keep myself so busy doing good things, the kind of things that get you the pat on the back and the kind of things that people say, hey, man, Matt, you're such a great dude, um, that I, I was so busy doing the good things that I was actually uh, missing the God opportunities, the things that God would, had asked me specifically to do. And um, through that learning, I remember to say, Lord, I just, how, how do you know? How do you know between good and God? And God just began to squeeze my neck. And so what that means for me is, uh, I, this happens often actually, where I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going, to, going to engage in a conversation or I'm thinking about joining this uh, specific organization, uh, ministry opportunity, or I'm thinking about, hey, I'm going to go over and start this deal, and my, my neck starts hurting. And that stress, and, and in my mind, it's just God saying, hey, knucklehead, you're about to do something that I'm not asking you to do. Why, why are you inviting this extra stress into your life? Stay focused on what I've called you to do. Sometimes God squeezes my necks. And, and sometimes God wakes me up at 5 a.m. That's, that's the third way, is that God wakes me up at 5 a.m. I don't wake up at 5 a.m. Some of you do. Like, you're really awesome. Like, you love, you love getting up before, uh, before God, and, and, you, and you get up and you start your day. Uh, not me. Um, and so when I wake up and I look at my clock and it's 5 a.m., I know that God wants to talk to me. And he does this uh, not every week, but he does this consistent where I know. And this happened to me um, towards the end of March. And so in February, the end of February, I get this scripture. And for a little over a month, I am excited and yet then anxious with this spiritual tension on, wow, all of this, you're my leader, my guard, you're my God. And I was just, I, w- I, was, a, uh, I was a mess uh, in my prayer life. 
and how I process things. And I think it was uh, Pastor Curtis, our worship pastor in Shawnee, who one day mentioned the, uh, how King David in the book of Psalms is all over the place. Like sometimes he's like ready to tackle everything. And the next day he's like going to jump off a cliff. I'm like, hey, I feel like I'm King David. There's, at least there's another guy biblically who's losing his mind. Um, and so that, that, that was reassuring. Um, but God wakes me up at 5 a.m., when I get up at 5 a.m., I have this uh, tradition where I go into this room in our house where there's some green couches, and I just stretch out on the floor face down, and I just talk to God. And on this day, I uh, tell God the same thing that I have been telling Him for the past month. How? When? Is this it? Am I doing okay? Like, just all of this thing. And in an instant, like a tsunami, right? God just calmed my heart. He, he gave me vision he gave me uh, peace. He gave me reassurance. And just, I mean, it was just, it was so fast and so quick, right? Uh, it was pretty amazing. Now, I'm not God, and so I can't communicate it to you that fast. I have to tell you the story, okay? Because God did that to me in a story, but He was able to do it like that. Um, I, I can't do it like that. But here is um, how He did it. Um, on spring break, just a couple weeks before this 5 a.m. prayer appointment, um, my wife and I decided kind of last minute on spring break that we were going to load up our kiddos and we were going to take them to South Dakota to go to Mount Rushmore. And uh, our kids are uh, Allie and Christy, they're twins, they're eight, and Luke is six, and we have a foreign exchange student with us. Her name is Zen, and she's from Vietnam. And so um, we're going to go to Mount Rushmore, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore, but it's almost impossible to get lost on the way to Mount Rushmore. You just go north on 29 and then you take a hard left, right? And you just, you, you can't, like, if, if you get lost going to Mount Rushmore, you probably shouldn't drive. It's, it's just, a, it's straight roads just in two directions. Um, and I knew that, and my wife knew that, but my kids had no idea. Like, they're too young to, they have no, like, we showed them a picture of Mount Rushmore and they thought it was cool. They have no idea about South Dakota. And, and Zen, she's from Vietnam, she has even less an idea. Like, the, I have people behind me in the car that are completely clueless about where we're going. They're just excited that we're going somewhere because they have heard that when we get there, we are staying at a hotel that has an indoor pool. And that's all they care about, right? And, by the way, that's all they cared about. So um, um, we get in the car and we take off. It's a 10-hour drive. Uh, I have uh, the hotel planned out. I have uh, money in my pocket for snacks, for food, for the hotel, and for anything that we want to do when we get there. Like, we're going to go have a good time. And my kids have to worry about zero. All they have to do is sit back there and enjoy the ride. And if they had to make a decision, we would all be in trouble because they have no idea what's going on anywhere at any time. Like, they just simply don't know. Their little minds can't process these things yet. And so we take off, and it didn't take us long to get uh, down the road uh, for my six-year-old Luke, who sits right behind me, okay? So in the car, you got me and uh, my wife, Jen. Then you got Luke right behind me, Zen's behind Jen, and the two girls are in the very back of the car. And did it take us long, about an hour and a half down the road, for Luke to start saying what we've all said in the long car ride with our parents, are we there yet, right? And uh, then it would go to uh, how much further, Right? These are the th- comments that Luke's asking. Now, to my wife's credit, she never yelled at Luke. She never punched him in the nose. She never did any of those things. Uh, she was smart because Luke has no concept, at the time he was five, has no concept of miles or minutes. And so Jen, she would get out her phone and she would open up Google Maps and she would say, she would put it in and she'd say, Bubby, it's this much further. That's what she'd do. Hey, Luke, turn around. It's this much further. And you go, okay. 
and then he would go back to uh, driving his sisters crazy. That's what that's that, that was the, for ten hours. We did that. It's fantastic. Right? Don't you wish you were there? And um, and so we get there, and when we get there, what's fun about um, uh, that area is there's there's three really distinct landmarks that you can visit. There's Custer State Park, which is fantastic. You have Mount Rushmore, which is fantastic. And then you have the Badlands, and all three of the, which is also fantastic. And all three of those are uniquely different. Like, they don't even look like each other. They're in a similar area of the country, but they look worlds apart, and there's no mistaking. Like, you don't drive up to a mountain and go, is that Rushmore? I don't... Like, when you get to Rushmore, like, you know, wow, that's... Like, my kids knew. And they'd never been there. Like, wow, look, Dad, there it is as we got close. When you're in the Badlands and you're seeing all these formations and all these uh, exotic uh, colors and you're like, there's like, you know... You, you, like, there's no confusion. I'm in the Badlands. And when you're at Custer State Park and there's buffalo and other animals that you don't typically see, and the, the grass is super green and there's hills, like, you know, like, this is different from where I was been. I, I am in uh, Custer, like, you just know. And that was, our, that was our journey, right? And in that moment, that morning, prayer, uh, praying uh, at 5 a.m., God used that story to calm me down, to teach me. And, um, and you might have already connected some dots. But this is what, um, this is what the Lord said to me. Um, God told me this. Matt, you ain't driving this car. He said, you're not driving it. You act like you're driving it. You're not driving this car. Jesus is your leader. Jesus is your driver. He is guarding and guiding you, driving you to a prepared place. And um, he, the thing was that I began to understand as God was teaching me, is that, uh, Matt, you're not even sitting in the driver's seat. Your seat in this car is where your boy Luke sits. And, and that's you. So just sit back and enjoy the ride. Jesus knows where he's leading you. It's to a prepared place. But he, he, I'm slow, right? And so these are some of the other things that, that God just began to reassure to me. Is I worry about resources. I worry about how. I worry about can we pull this off. And God just reminded me, uh, Jesus has got money for the snacks. He's got money for the food. He's already got the hotel booked and it's paid for. It's even got an indoor pool. You're really, just enjoy the ride. You're going to have a good time. I know you have no idea where he's taking you, just as your kid didn't. Uh, kids didn't. But when you get there, you're going to be happy. You're not going to be hungry. You're not going to go without. You're going to get your Snickers bar and your Mountain Dew. You're going to be fine. Just trust that Jesus, what's that song we sometimes sing? You're a good, good father. Trust that. Just sit back there and enjoy the ride, right? Well, what do I ask? Well, how much further? Just like my boy, right? God, how much further? How much further? And, and the Lord just said to me in my prayer time, again, it's like a tsunami. It's all of these things like whoosh, right over me. He says, I have an answer for your question, but your mind can't comprehend it. Like, just like Luke couldn't comprehend miles and minutes, uh, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind can conceive what God has planned for those who love him. I am going to do something that you're going to be so happy with. But if I tried to explain it to you, you couldn't grasp it. And so in that moment, and it's happened to me several times since when I kind of get antsy, where Jesus doesn't yell at me or punch me in the nose. He just turns around to me and says, hey man, it's this much further. It's just, enjoy the ride, chill out, go back to pestering your friends. It's, it's this much further. Okay, bud? Like he, I want you to know that some of, you, uh, some of us, we think that Jesus yells at you because you yell at your kids in your car when they ask you how much further it is, right? Jesus doesn't yell at you, right? He's, he's not yelling at me. 
He is this loving father. And I, I can just kind of see Jesus often, uh, one hand on the wheel because he drives real cool. And uh, he kind of looks over his shoulder, right? Uh, he, he looks over his shoulder, right? It's probably this hand. So he, goes, he looks over his shoulder, right? And just with a smile, right? And with a beard cooler than mine says, hey, Matt, it's this much further. Just, just, just chill out. It's just this much. Now, I wish he would say, it's going to be 35 minutes, right? He doesn't do that. It's faith this much further. The Lord wasn't done with me. Um, he told me this. Um, when we get there, you'll know it. You keep, you keep questioning. You keep asking, is this it? Could this be it? Matt, when you get there, you will know it. Like It's going to be like Rushmore obvious. When, when, when I'm ready to pull into the lot of where I'm taking you to this prepared place, you and your elders and your team and your church is going to be like, oh, of course. That's exact. Wow. Right? So sit back and enjoy the ride. Jesus is our leader. He's got every resource known to the world at his disposal. He is driving this car, this awesome ministry that we call New City Church. He is taking us to a prepared place. He's, just, he's not lost, right? We're going somewhere on purpose. He is guiding us there. He's guarding us there and on, our, on our journey towards it. And our responsibility is just to sit back and enjoy the ride and trust the Father that He knows what He's doing. And that when we get there, right, we're going to know it and we're going to celebrate and go, wow, this is so cool. Doc, this is a fantastic, look at, look at this. This is amazing. Can you believe that God was able to do this in the Badlands? Do you, can you believe that somebody could create that out of, out of a mountain? Can, can you believe it? And guys, it, guys, it's going to be that, that clear, right? So church, I invite you. Um, I ask you to join with me if you would allow me and the elders to continue to lead you in this process. That we simply just sit back and enjoy the ride. And I was thinking about like, what does enjoy the ride mean? Right? Like, how do we enjoy the ride? Because we enjoy things differently. All right? Uh, some of you, you love just being laid back. And like, that, that's fine. For others of you, enjoying the ride means uh, completely different things. Because we're, we're all wired different. And I was processing this a little bit. And um, this is kind of what I want to say. I want you to enjoy this ministry that we call New City Church. I want you to enjoy it, and I want you to own it. When you come into worship, whether it be at Shawnee or Edgerton, I simply want you to enjoy the experience. Man, to throw your hands up and say, God, thank you for this. Look at this ministry, right? Right, like, Jesus, thank you that we get to be a part of this. I invite you to enjoy it so much that you join in. Like, if, if you're here, and, 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 and this is the car, this is the ministry that God's got you, and you're, and you're enjoying it, man, partner with us, serve. Like, like when we play a silly game in the car, like when we went to South Dakota, we would play the alphabet game where you had to find uh, letters on the sign. The word started with like an A and then you had to find the word that started with a B. You know, I don't know if you don't, if you don't know what that is, you can Google it. But like, don't be the lame person in the car that won't play. Don't do, no, join in, play, right? And, and, and have fun with us, laugh, cry, pray together. Like uh, when we say, hey, look, there's a deer. I don't go, I don't care, I got my phone out. No, enjoy, like participate in what we're doing. Um, be, be someone who is invested in this ministry. When I talked about giving, like step into that generosity, step into like, no, this is my thing. I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to keep this car clean. I'm going to keep this car going. I'm going to make sure this environment is fun. Like enjoy the ride, enjoy the ministry and participate in every single way you can. Now, I want to tell you in closing why you should do these things. 
Because you know what? I like to win. All right? I'm not super competitive, but man, I like to win. I like to be a part of winning teams. And um, I think New City's winning. I think God is setting us up so beautifully that if you're looking, if, like some of you need a win in life. Some of you need a win. You, even if it's a small win, you just, you just need, a, you need a that a boy. You need way to go. You need a little slap on the rear. And I'm not going to do that, but maybe somebody else can. But you need a win. I want to tell you some wins that we've got. Check this out. Vision statement number one, we want you to know and be known. It's kind of a cool thing, right? Uh, since January of this year, in our two locations, we have had 341 first-time guests. To me, that is like, what? So when we take that piece of paper and we pass it down the road and we ask you to sign in, or when you take that Connect card and you fill it out and you mark first-time guest, what we're learning, what we're identifying is that we have 341 first-time guests. What an opportunity we have to know someone and to let them know that they're known. I love it. I think it's beautiful. How about this? In baptisms. So far this year, we're in June. We've had 50 people get baptized. I'm going to pause for applause. I'm going to pause for your applause, right? 50 baptisms. That's awesome. Like, guys, there are churches that would love to have five. Just scratch the zero. There were some that would love to have 0.5, just half a person. They just half get wet. 50 baptisms. Now, here's the thing I want to brag on. Uh, Edgerton, all right, the campus that Shawnee planted out of uh, on our third anniversary, they, uh, Edgerton started in uh, 2015. They've baptized, of those 50, Edgerton has baptized 32 people this year, all right? So if you do math, that means Shawnee's done 18, Edgerton's done 32, and I think that's fun, right? But Shawnee, come on now. Come on. Man, we got to go after it. Edgerton is doing a fantastic job of reaching their neighborhood with people who are far from God and introducing them to Jesus and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I celebrate. I'm there today, and like I'm going to talk about this a lot longer with them because they're doing fantastic. Right? So are, so are we. This past week at Old Shawnee Days, we had nine baptisms out there going public in the public park. How fun was that? Man, if, if, if you're here today and you have confessed Jesus as Lord, but you've yet to get into those baptism waters, let us know that. Man, we want to celebrate and help you uh, be a catalyst for your spiritual growth as you uh, get into um, the baptism waters. And then after people get baptized, Jesus says, uh, as you make disciples, right, that second outcome 2020, uh, make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that we uh, baptize and then teach. I love this. There are currently 201 people uh, in our discipling process that we call Brown to Green. 201 people in our discipling process. Now, uh, that's a big number in itself. That's pretty fantastic. But can I dream with you? All right. Let's, let's look ahead to the fall when many of these leaders will begin to get released and hopefully start their own groups. Check this out. If 75% of this 201 people were to go and make disciples, were to do for others what had been done for them, and let's say that these 75% of the folks uh, just invited in an average of four people. The numbers would be uh, 603 people that would be engaged into our discipling process. We're talking just uh, uh, not even a year out. That there's a potential of us discipling 603 new people. Now, I told you that I love to look ahead, right? I love to dream and to forecast and look at trends. In the fall of 20, uh, 2018 and 2019... That fall and winter, if 75% of the 603, just a, a, year, a year from now, right? If we just kind of look ahead, if we kept that same formula, 75% discipling on the average of four people, 
That's over 1,800 people in our discipling process. That's 18, not 1,800 people attending the, the Sunday morning worship. That's 18, the potential of 1,800 people in the deepest, most uh, 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 intense or intentional part of our ministry, our brown to green process. 1,800 people. That number is massive. Oh, Matt, that number is too big. We're never going to have sin. What if it was just half that? Let's just say, you're right. Let's say that number's too big. There's no way God could do that. Right? I mean, God, come on, God can't do that. And so let's say half. Well, that's 900 people. What God is setting us up for as we continue to build on this foundation that Jesus is our Lord, right? And as we have this heart and passion to make disciples who make disciples to make disciples, is that God is going to continue to trust us with his lost sheep. He's going to continue to trust us with your neighbor, and he's going to continue to trust us with the reputation in the city as people come in, whether it be Edgerton, Shawnee, or the next place. And by the way, there will be a next place. There will be a next place. Like soon, we're going to outgrow this car, and God's going to have to start driving a minivan. And you need to know that we're not going down to like the little beetle bug car. We ain't doing that. God has got us headed in a prepared place for a specific reason. And what was his mission? May I remind you, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Our mission is his mission. We're going to inspire people to trust in and live like Jesus. Are you ready for that? I mean, will you be ready? Today you may not be ready, but are you ready for what God wants to do? I want to end with this. I'm going to end with maybe a personal ask of you. And it's really, really simple. Will you start making, if not already, Jesus your leader? Every day, as I back out of my driveway, I say this, and you're welcome to echo me. Jesus, today I confess you as my leader, and I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. Every day I say that. It's a daily confession. Jesus, because I'm telling you, I get in the way of Jesus, and I try to take the will from him. Listen, Jesus, take the will. He's going to keep the will. Will you confess, Jesus, be my leader? And will you begin to follow him? He wants to guard you and guide you and begin to trust in your heart that he's taken you to a prepared place. You're not on some crazy unknown journey. And get ready for that. Join us in what he is doing. I hope you're as excited about what New City, uh, what God has for New City as I am. That's where I am today. I'm excited. I am. Way, I feel like that 16-year-old kid who dad has promised a car to, right? And he hasn't shown it to me, right? But I know that I've got it, and I know my dad is good, and he's going to bless me, and I just can't wait for him to say, here it is, son. Man, I'm excited, and I'm anticipating what Jesus is going to do. Join me in that, right? And get ready for what God is going to do. I want to I close today by uh, just praying for us. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a, uh, one of the, our worship teams are going to come up uh, and wrap us up in some type of uh, worship and praise to God. But as we sing and, and uh, worship, I want you to be processing, like, what's your next move? How do you enjoy this ride? Right? How do you enjoy this ride and get ready for it? Would you guys join me in prayer? I just want to pray a blessing over us, uh, all of our campuses uh, this morning. So, Father, I uh, bless the people of New City Church. Father, I do. I bless them. I thank you for them. I thank you for their willingness to be in the house this morning, this afternoon. Father, I I pray, God, for their lives. I ask that you would uh, show favor in their relationships. For those who are struggling in their marriages, God, would you lead them? Would you lead them to the prepared place of peace and and unity in their marriage? For those of us who are parents, Father, would you lead us as we lead our kids? Would you give us the patience and that we could lead them like you lead us? 
God, with, with, with such grace and such truth. Father, for those who are at New City today and they come in broken and they're hurting and their, their life is honestly just a mess and, and there's shame, God, they are welcome here. I, I just want them to know they're welcome here. They don't have to hide. They don't have to sit in the back row. They, that they are a part of this family. They can be a part of this family. God, would you, would you bless them? Would you give them courage to look at their sin and say, no, Jesus is my new leader? Not the drug, not the drink, not that uh, outside influence that Jesus is my leader. God, would you give them courage and wisdom in that process? And God, as a church body, I just confess to you with the authority that you've given me here in this place that you are the leader of this church. You are the good shepherd. And God, I confess that I believe that you are leading us, that you are guiding us, you are guarding us. God, continue to protect us. And God, I trust and I keep in front of me that you're taking us to a prepared place. We are not spoiled brats, Jesus. We are so grateful and thankful for what you've done, and we are excited about what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. God bless you guys, and uh, let's continue to worship.